Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. One man who's well accomplished in British sport, a bronze medalist from 1980 in the sport of rowing and a gold medalist from 1984. Um, He'll be a familiar voice to a lot of New Zealand sports fans because he was one of two commentators who brought us all the action at the Tokyo Olympics last year when New Zealand rowing had one of its best Olympics, including winning the men's eight. His name is Martin Cross, and I was lucky enough to work with him in the second week of the Games on the kayaking. Martin, good evening. Welcome. Mark, it's great to be talking to you again. Martin, have, has British sport done the right thing in the way they've paid tribute to the Queen, or is it a bit over the top? I mean, what is the right thing to do? Uh, as I said, we don't yeah. live in, we don't live in the UK. We see things slightly differently. I think it's really interesting. All the people that I've spoken to, I haven't spoken to anybody who thought it was right that the FA cancelled all the Premiership fixtures uh, last weekend. Um, Mostly, um, I, I think the, the fan, the, what the fans felt, that it would, it would give a chance to honour the in its silence. You sing the national anthem, and um, you wear black armbands, and you know there, there could be uh, pictures of the Queen um, on the big screens, and so on and so forth. And that would be a way to honour the Queen coming together, but. Uh, the, they've missed out on that and so a lot of people that I've been talking to feel that there's an overreaction by the FA mm. yeah, and, uh, um, I, go on no, I was just going to say, Martin, sorry, you're just breaking up a little bit, but um, I was going to say, I mean, we saw what golf tournaments being shortened by a round. We saw the cricket, the third test between England and South Africa being delayed by a day. Um, they seem to probably get the balance right. I think you're absolutely right. I think with cricket, that, that was spot on. I think there were lots of lots of talk when the Queen died, oh, the, the, the test is going to be cancelled. But then what they did was to honour the Queen with the, you know, uh, they, they had a guard of honour, they had some soldiers on, on the pitch, they, they had a minute's silence, they had the national anthem sung, and then people wore black armbands, and then they got on with the business of, 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 of playing sport. And I think that's absolutely right. From what I understand, I think that, the planning for the Queen's funeral and, and what would happen in the, in the 10 days previously had gone on for some time. And my understanding is that the FA, the Football Association, had decided it would cancel games. Um, so, you know, we had, for example, at school, uh, the school I work at, there, was, uh, there were no football games because the Football Association cancelled football, but they were playing rugby. Hmm. Um, which, which didn't seem right at all. Um, I, I think probably if you're going to cancel games, then uh, it's right to cancel games on the day of the funeral and not to have any sport on that day. Mm. But I think otherwise it's a bit of an overreaction. 
Yeah, because I mean, I, I read an interesting piece um, on the BBC website some time ago where they talked about, you know, let's be honest, um, there's a lot of people in England who do do it tough and football is that escapism for them. And they said that the happiest time of the week, and it was more symbolic, was 10 minutes to three on a Saturday because that was 10 minutes before kickoff and 10 minutes before a weekend of football. And, you know, we know how important the Queen is to the UK, to Britain. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's it provides that escapism. But at the same time, to come together, have a chat, celebrate it, enjoy the football. Well, I think people wanted to come together. I think, uh, you know, uh, they had a couple of European matches. The day the Queen died, they had a couple of European matches um, that were played. And the players uh, came together, one of them in the Queen Elizabeth Park, the, the West Ham team. And the players came together in the centre circle. They all wore black armbands. There were pictures of the Queen on, on the screen. You know, there were impromptu renditions of the, of the national anthem. And, it, and it, people felt they had a chance to honour the Queen by being together. Um, and, and football fans missed out on that opportunity uh, mm. this weekend because they would have liked to have done that together. Mm. Um, and, 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 you know, and then got on with the business of playing sports. So um, I think that was uh, an opportunity missed from the fans' mm. point of view. Yeah, racing, another one. Uh, she's a big, big, the Queen, big fan of um, thoroughbred racing and horse racing, and they also cancelled a number of their meets. Your sport, Rowing Martin, have they got anything coming up where, as a community, they can acknowledge the Queen? Or Well, that's a great shout. They had the World Masters Championships last week, and there was an acknowledgement, a minute's silence, during the World Masters Championships, which was uh, taking place in Europe. But what we got coming up, Mark, is um, the World Rowing Championships. And they start on um, September the 18th and on the Sunday and the day before the Queen's funeral. So I think that's going to be really quite interesting um, because obviously the British team are planning to race. But that means that some of them will be racing in the World Championships on the day of the funeral. So... um, I would go back to when Lady Diana Spencer died. That was in the middle of the 1997 World Championships. And there were calls, there were calls for the British team to withdraw from the World Championships, but they didn't. And in the end, they wore black ribbons on their racing vests. And because there was no sport that weekend at all of the, of the funeral, um, the pictures of the rowers, uh, the Steve Redgrave for line, were all on the back pages, heads bowed during the National Anthem uh, with Black Ribbons, and, and that was quite an effective tribute. But I haven't heard from British Rowing uh, exactly what they're going to do, but they will have to think yeah. of something. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to think that, you know, society has moved on, that playing sport's not a negative. It can be a wonderful way of paying tribute, as you just alluded to. And if Rowing needs a reminder, is to maybe go back and look at what you just described and look at that photo on the back pages and look how it can be done. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. And I, I think one of the things that I'm struck by is because clearly there's going to be so many people from all around the world that will uh, pay their respects to Queen Elizabeth and visit uh, the funeral. I think it would be really appropriate if the sport of rowing at the World Rowing Championships did find time for a minute's silence to honour the athletes and to recognise that they will be, the British athletes will be racing on the day of the funeral. Mm-hmm which, you know, will be a bank holiday. And, and I think, again, that's an example of how sport can come together. Mm. And, um, you know, the British, because they have a lot of money, because, you know, they have been quite successful, they're not exactly one of the most popular teams in, in world rowing. 
but I think that would be a way that the, the sport mm. could acknowledge, um, you know, the grief of the British people and, and the rowers at that time. Mm. You, you, what connection has the royal family had with rowing? Do they have patrons or uh, I know, that, that is it Prince William that I think is part of the FA, but what about rowing? What's the connection yeah. there with royalty? So the big connection uh, with royalty and rowing is the Henley Regatta. Yes. So the Henley, it's called the Henley Royal Regatta. And uh, the Queen visited Henley um, uh, some years ago now, but uh, she's she's been to the regatta. She's followed racing in the launches. And uh, she sort of quite graciously honoured the regatta by naming the cup for um, Schoolboy 8, the Princess Elizabeth Challenge Cup. So that that is probably the, the the most important connection. The Duke of Edinburgh was patron of uh, one of the clubs I'm fortunate enough to be a member of, London Rowing Club. So he agreed to be a patron of that club. He visited the club, um, talked to the athletes, um, looked at them training and so on and so forth. So there is that connection with rowing, um, but mainly through the Henley Royal Regatta, which obviously... Uh, you would like to think that there would be a connection with Prince mm. Charles. He hasn't, as far as I'm aware, visited the regatta, mm. but it'd be great to see him there. Mm. Is there any other sport outside of racing? Um, clearly, we know there's an affiliation with football, but is there any other sort of particular sport that's got a real, real heavy sort of current link to the royal family, more so than perhaps others? Yeah, I think, you know, that would probably be, you know, anything equine. So um, I think uh, the three-day eventing, because Princess Anne was yep. herself an Olympian in three-day eventing. So uh, I think, you know, the royal family has, has been to those events. Uh, quite often Princess Anne is, is regularly at those events. So um, outside of that, you, you do see Princess Anne um, and, and Prince William, to be fair, uh, and so now he'll probably have to support Wales, I think, in the rugby union matches and the Six Nations, <laughs> um, because he's now Prince of Wales. So he'll be changing his uh, allegiance. Well, mm. Princess Anne, she goes, she supports uh, Scotland. Mm. Um, so she goes mm. with an England Scotland matches at Murrayfield. She's there and supports Scotland. And I guess Prince William now, he's become the new Prince of Wales. There's no way that he could go to an England-Wales match and not support Wales. Yeah, I I just want to ask you this because there's obviously been a member of the Commonwealth over here, um, the Queen's head, um, coins, um, part of our paper currency as well, and there's going to need to be changed there. But there's so much more sort of royal protocol in the UK in regards to, say, uh, the linguistic side of sport. Um, some of the pomp and ceremony. How much is it? How much does it now change moving from a queen to a king? And can you maybe give us an example? Well, I, I think it's, fans are pretty adaptable. Um, so that West Ham game that I mentioned, um, I don't think the national anthem had been sung with "God Save the King," um, and, it, and it wasn't sung officially at the match. But all through the match, the West Ham supporters were giving unofficial renditions of God Save the King. So um, I think that's probably the most noticeable, uh, the most noticeable change in terms of the, the mm. pomp and circumstance. Mm. And I think what I mentioned in, in terms of rugby, you know, I think the Prince of Prince William uh, being made Prince of Wales, mm. he will now absolutely be all over Welsh sport. Mm. Um, and I know he's president uh, of the FA, 
but um, I, I think that's going to be a significant change. Otherwise, Mark, I don't think there's going to be too many changes. Mm. And just finally, Martin, um, as I said, we you know it's sort of a bit split here in New Zealand versus being a republic and what does the royal family mean? And certainly for an older generation, it's still very, very strong. I'm sort of, there's parts of me... You know, don't get me wrong. I thought she was a wonderful head of state, but there's other parts of royalty which I, I don't sort of really agree with. Where's the general just in the UK? Are, are, are you seeing a shift, or are still most people 100 percent behind the royal family in the UK? Yeah, I think that most people in this time are behind the royal family, even if they are Republicans in the period of grief. I think that there is a, a move that a sea change and a shift will come. Um, I think that the the loyalty owed by you know people to Queen Elizabeth was so strong yeah. that now with um, th- th- there's best wishes for Charles as King Charles III, but I think it's going to take a lot for him to engender the same kind of loyalty. I think republicanism will probably in the UK it, it's not particularly strong, but I think it will grow stronger, um, mm. and I think most importantly it will grow it will grow stronger in Commonwealth countries like, you know, like Australia, like New Zealand. I think Jamaica is another country which is planning to have a referendum on whether it's a republic or not. And I think the big change will come in Britain's relationships with our overseas territories. My guest is uh, rowing commentator Martin Cross. He would have called some of the great golden moments for New Zealand and Tokyo. Martin, just before I do let you go, just focusing on the rowing world championships, are you heading there yourself as a commentator? Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to it flying out on Saturday to the Czech Republic. Okay. You reckon we can, might be able to occasionally get you on radio, eh, Martin? You know, you'd do me a favour, wouldn't you, Martin, if yeah, we find the timing? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I hope so. Uh, yeah, we've, yeah. Got, um, we've got a New Zealand women's pair and men's pairs up for winning gold medals, so um, hopefully they'll be able yeah. to follow in the footsteps. Was, was there a major review of the back of British rowing after the back of Tokyo? I mean, they were pretty disappointed, say, in comparison to New Zealand, who did it on, you know, basically the smell of an oily rag financially compared to, say, the British setup. Yeah, there, there was a major review. People lost their jobs. The performance director, Brendan Purcell, lost his job. Uh, the chief executive of British rowing, Andy Parkinson, lost, lost mm. their job. And there is now a big sea change. And the, the, the one thing that's been really, uh, you know, impressive is that the British men are now kind of at the top of the world. The British men's eight are now the fastest men's eight in the world. The favourites for the gold medal. But the British women, who were so disappointing in the rowing in um, in Tokyo, are now coming back to challenge for medals. And, and I think that's been a result of the changes and the reviews that happened following Tokyo, a lot more safe for the athletes now. What did the British, the British eight take from the performance of the New Zealand eight? Because we were somewhat unconventional in terms of the way we set that boat up, weren't we? Yeah, I, I think um, the notion was, uh, if you took a look at the preparations for the, I, I think, you know, the way that New Zealand prepared for the Olympics, the way they, the, the way they came in on their training camps, uh, the way they uh, did the Olympic qualification regatta and then, you know, just kept that single focus uh, was much, much more impressive than the way the, the British team did there. You know, there, there was a lot of talk of the British team in the Tokyo Olympics of, of not having, they should have had a training camp in Japan prior to the Tokyo Olympics rather than just fly in. They were on rowing machines for quite a lot of the time rather than in the boat. And all those kind of things affected the British. And, of course, they sacked their coach, their chief coach, their talisman, Jürgen Grobler, just before the Olympics. 
Whereas New Zealand had this continuity of coaching with Tony O'Connor for the men's eight. So, yeah, a lot of lessons to be learned. Martin Cross, lovely to have you on the programme. Lovely to catch up. I'm very envious. Enjoy the rowing world championships, my good man. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Martin Cross there um, giving us his thoughts on the reaction to sport in the UK in and around the death of Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, Over the top, um, I think perhaps football fans thought that cancelling the English Premier League, just listening to Martin there, was maybe a little bit over the top.